When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman of the Steel Curtain Network. You found another episode of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is a great day. I hope you are ready for a great week. I have a great Monday morning conversation for you. And it's all about rumors. It's all about the NFL scouting combine, rumors at the combine. And you might be thinking, well, Jeff, that's just going to be about, you know, draft picks and who might go here. No, 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 no. This is actually about some free agent talk, too. Because if you didn't hear, and I wrote this article for the website, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, that website still exists, that the Steelers and DeMonte KZ, they've also started talking. This isn't always normal, folks. This isn't always normal. Sometimes the Steelers, they are, hey, this guy's a free agent. Good luck. We'll see ya. Peace. Uh, but then there's other times where you're like, wow, like they're actually showing some interest here. Yes, that, that still does happen. So in this case, the reports came out this past weekend that the Steelers and DeMonte KZ, just like we heard that the Steelers and Cam Sutton have already started talks about a potential contract. Could a deal be done before the legal tampering period starts one week from today? That's the key question here, folks. If they can get one or two of these players locked up before hitting free agency, that can be an ultimate deal breaker. And I don't say that lightly, the deal breaker being that they could get them on their terms and not have to compete with anyone else. It's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out leading up to the NFL draft. Everyone's talking about the NFL scouting combine. So I thought the best way for me to handle the start of this week coming off of the combine was to have someone that was there. Now, this is not a new guest. He was on the show last offseason as well, and that is Behind the Steel Curtain and the Steel Curtain Network's own Andrew Wilbar. Andrew Wilbar was one of the people. We had Bradley Locker, who was on the written side for us. They both were there in Indianapolis, Lucas Oil Field, at the Combine, and they were they, they had boots on the ground, and they were listening, hearing a lot of stuff. So I said, you know what? I want to have Andrew on to talk about these rumors. Andrew's going to talk about everything from rumors with free agency, rumors about the draft, potentially trading draft picks. We have it all for you right here, folks. Great interview. You're going to hear that with Andrew Wilbar on the Monday Morning Conversation coming up right after this break. Stay tuned. We'll be back with Andrew. All right, Steeler fans, welcome back. It is time for the Monday Morning Conversation, and joining me... I think I've had this guy on before. Uh, it's Andrew Wilbar of, of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and of the Steel Curtain Network Podcast Network. Andrew, what's going on? This is not your first time, is it? 
Is not. I was back uh, on during the off seasons. We were breaking down kind of the Steelers draft. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. So you're you're not a newbie here. You know about the Let's Ride Monday Morning Conversation. And you just came back from the NFL Scouting Combine, and you told me just before we went on the air that you had been there before, but not as a media member. You got media access this time. Why don't you just tell us what it was like? It was incredible being able to just interact with not only the players, but also other reporters, those that have insight to different teams, organizations, Uh, just being able to connect with different people from different backgrounds. Uh, It's just incredible walking down the street in downtown Indianapolis and just running across people. Hey, I recognize that person. I recognize their face. They play for such and such team or, you know, they're a scout for such and such a team. I've saw them. On, I've seen them on an interview before, you know, just being able to walk past these people in, you know, in real life is just really cool. How many people are actually like media members? Like how many, if you had to put a ballpark figure on just an average day, how many media members are actually in attendance in Indianapolis? Well, a lot of them came down specifically for Friday with the quarterbacks being yeah. interviewed on Friday. I would say roughly 250, maybe 300. Okay, so that's, that's a relatively small number. So when you're right. in the media area, you're able to mingle and, and talk with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You were able to get, um, and I'm not trying to steal any thunder for your Tuesday Steelers Fix show, but you were able to talk to some pretty high-ranking insiders, whether it was Ian Rappaport. You had a really good interview with some former Steelers and Ryan Clark, Max Starks. What was that like talking with some of those people? It was incredible just being able to approach them. I obviously didn't spend a ton of time with them, but just being able to uh, talk to them for a second, just to see how real they are in person, you know, just off the set, um, just a, a, you know, a side that you don't always see from them, but just being able to talk to them on a personal level, really cool. Was it, was it awkward to go up and approach someone like Mina Kimes and say, Hey, can I video your answer? Or At first <laughs> it really was the first time, because like I'm, I'm walking by and I see Ian Rappaport, he's, you know, maybe, 25 30 feet away from me is just sitting down and i'm like oh can i approach him to like tom palacero was another one and we were downstairs in the uh uh i, w- I was pretty sure it was him because you know he has a very unique figure you know yeah. it, he's very noticeable and he was much more dressed up than most of the other media members i'm like i'm pretty sure that's who it is but he's just sitting down below some of the cameras behind the podiums where the players are going to be interviewed and i'm like do i approach him do i not and so i'm just like you are tom palacero right it's like, yes. Uh, hey, could I get like 60 seconds just to interview real quick for our podcast? Um, it was extremely friendly, enjoyed talking. Uh, just a really great guy. But yeah, across the board, it was fantastic. Max Starks kind of looked at you like you were a little bit nuts at first, but then he definitely eased into it when I saw the video. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I get it. Now, were you hesitant as a younger media member? Were you hesitant to ask a lot of questions during the players media availability or were you just like, Hey, this is my shot. I'm going to take it. The first interview, it was, it was a little bit nerve wracking, but after things went on, I got into a couple of interviews where there weren't as many media members to fight with, to get a question in Um, the confidence built a little bit as the day went on. And then going into day two and day three was able to talk to a lot of prospects was just going from podium to podium, trying to get as many as I could. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome. But the one thing that I, the one of the reasons, not just for the fact that you were at the combine and and you were asking these players questions and getting to speak to some of these media members was that all of a sudden, you know, on our Slack channel, you were starting to find out some news and some rumors about the Steelers, both in free agency and in the upcoming draft. And people forget, I think when, the, when you're at the cat of the combine, everyone is so enamored with the numbers. How did they test? 
How did they jump? How did they run? Et cetera, et cetera. Well, there's a lot of high ranking sources there in terms of what the teams are going to do in free agency, which is less than two weeks away. So you were, you were hearing a lot of Bud Dupree talk about, right? What were you hearing about Bud Dupree at the, uh, at the combine? I was shocked. Now I, I knew that there was a high probability that Dupree was going to be cut by Tennessee just because of his high cap number, the injuries just, it seemed like a given that he was going to get cut. I did not know, however, that it seemed a given to everybody I talked to from beat reporters to people that have insight into both Tennessee and Pittsburgh inside the locker room have spoken with people inside the organization. It seems almost a definite thing that when it seems like when Bud Dupree is cut, the Steelers are going to sign him on a relatively cheap deal, and he's going to come and be that third linebacker behind Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt. Though I have also heard that uh, Alex Highsmith is more than likely going to be extended. I would expect it before training camp as well. Well, let's go back to Bud Dupree. What are your thoughts on that? If, if, the, if that does come to fruition, if he is a cap casualty, he gets cut. If the Steelers bring him in, are you on board with that? Or do you think that's kind of like, yeah, he's been banged up a lot, hasn't really been as productive in Tennessee as he was in Pittsburgh? What are your thoughts? I think it's a great scenario after having a couple years of minimal production due to the injuries. I think he's going to come relatively cheap. Obviously, Highsmith and Watt, the Steelers have tried bringing in guys. Of course, Reed last year. And you know they just brought in Jameer Jones again, added him for another year. But the Steelers have struggled to find that third rotational pass rusher to be able to keep Watt and Highsmith fresh. And it, honestly, it may help keep TJ Watt a little bit healthier as well, knowing that you have a guy who – you know, we were all worried just a couple years ago, you know, what's Alex Highsmith going to be like with, you know, with Bud Dupree being gone, you know, what's going to happen to the Steelers run defense. We already know how good Dupree can be when he's at his best playing opposite TJ Watt. They play very well together. So having him as a third option, I think it's an excellent scenario, especially considering the price probably isn't going to be outrageous. Now you bring up Alex Highsmith and, and there's a lot of people. And for the life of me, I cannot understand why Alex Highsmith would sign a contract before training camp. It, it just doesn't make sense. You're coming off a 14 and a half sack season. Your stock is extremely high. You duplicate that success in 2023. And now all of a sudden you're going to be a really big free agent target for a lot of teams, but you're hearing that the Steelers are likely to extend him before camp, which would be a phenomenal move for the Steelers. I just don't see why it would happen. What else? What, what did you hear about that? Just that they really like him and they want him back. Yeah, just really, he's the type of player that the Steelers prioritize, a hard worker, a guy who's had to earn everything, you know, everything from Charlotte, not really getting looked at by any big colleges, just working his way up the ranks, um, obviously tested phenomenally at the Combine just a few years back and really raised a lot of eyebrows, uh, but just an incredibly hard worker, small school guy, a guy who loves the game of football, you know, he's football on the field, off the field. And just a good human being. His family has seemed to connect within the organization. And that's just the type of guy that the Steelers seem to prioritize. They like signing guys, especially in the front seven, that they were high on in the draft. And guys that were kind of, not necessarily Colbert specials, but those guys that the front office specifically liked. They knew that they could get him at a certain spot in the draft. And they just kind of already had it in the back of their heads. He was going to be the pick at said selection. Yeah. If Omar Khan can work an extension with Alex Highsmith, where they use that last year of his rookie contract and then maybe extend him for four years after that, it would be a huge get for the Steelers because not only is he coming off of that really high watermark 14 and a half sack season, but if they were to also obtain Bud Dupree, their pass rushers are set and they already have Jameer Jones as that fourth option. That would put him in a really good position. But let's also look at the secondary because you were hearing a lot of Cam Sutton talk. What were you hearing down there? 
I'm hearing that the Steelers really like Cameron Sutton. A lot of people inside the organization seem to see him as a number one corner. I, Me personally, I feel like he's more of a number two guy, uh, but the Steelers do have a need at corner. They don't want to replace their entire cornerback room in one offseason. Obviously, the organization for years has been high on William Jackson III, and I still think that there's a good chance that he ends up coming back on a revised deal. Uh, but th- I don't think they see him as a guy that they want to have out there week one starting necessarily outside of the event. Maybe they're being an injury in the preseason or something. I think they see Cameron Sutton as being their number one corner to start off the year. That's not going to stop them from drafting a cornerback early, but I feel like it seems like Witherspoon is not even in the picture anymore. Killer Witherspoon seems like he's probably going to be moving on because the Steelers do have Levi Wallace who played a little bit better down the stretch last year. It's just a matter of who you move inside more than likely Cameron Sutton if the Steelers do draft a corner early and he can, you know, prove it on the outside, the Steelers may bring try, may try to move Sutton into the slot, considering how many teams are moving their number one wide receivers into the slot more and more often. I mean, you're hearing what like 14 million a year is an option for Sutton. Like that's that is steep for, yeah. in my opinion, that's steep for a, a a potential nickel slot cornerback guy. And I know that Cam Sutton, they love him, they drafted him, they want to keep him. I understand all that. But to have your top guy making fourteen million, and unless he's flexing in, which some teams do that, you know, they're they're cornerback two, cornerback three might come in. Like a James Pierre is not built for the slot, so you would bump Cam Sutton in, unless that's what the plan is. And let me ask you this: Do you think if they were to sign Cam Sutton, that it would bump cornerback down their draft board a little bit, and it wouldn't be such maybe like a a pick seventeen, but maybe a pick thirty two? I think it would it would prevent it from being what it was in 2016 where the Steelers had to address a corner and they took Artie Burns when their guy, William Jackson wasn't available. I believe that the Steelers are extremely high on Joey Porter jr. He's a legacy guy. He checks all the boxes athletically Um, everything. It just seems like a Steelers pick. He's very young still. Uh, It just seems like a pick the Steelers would make. Everyone that I talk to seem to think that if he's there at 17, which it's not a given at this point, but if he is there at 17, he's probably the pick. But I think when you bring when the Steelers bring back Cameron Sutton, they're putting themselves in the position they typically do, where if the guy that they have at a position that they want isn't there, they're not going to reach for another guy at that position. Like another guy I heard that they um, might have interest in is Deontay Banks, corner from Maryland, but it considering the amount of corners going so high, if Banks ends up being in that maybe 25 to 32 range and Omar Khan feels like he can, if he gets an offer to move back, maybe that's a scenario where Pittsburgh trades back rather than reaching for him at 17. That Joey Porter running a four five. I was like, well, that might help him get to 17. If people were thinking, especially with Gonzalez, he tested very well at the mm-hmm. combine. I'm no pro days will be big, especially for Joey Porter jr. Because he's going to want to improve that 40 time. So we'll have to keep it on that, but keep keeping our eye on and ears, I guess, in your regard on the secondary, you were hearing some talk about Terrell Edmonds and Devontae KZ. What was that? This one, it was a little bit more minimal than Cameron Sutton, but it seems a consensus that the Steelers, if if they can afford it, they're going to make an attempt to bring back both safeties. I don't think they're very high on the safety class, which most people are not. When you look at, especially at strong safety, that's why I think the Steelers bring back Terrell Edmonds. There's not one true, pure, strong safety in this draft class. Sidney Brown, I really like from Illinois. I think he's better as a strong safety, as an undersized strong safety. But there is not a pure, strong safety in this class. There's a lot of hybrid guys, a lot of guys who are nickel slash free safety. 
Uh, so that's why I think Edmonds comes back. And it seems like the Steelers want to bring him back. He seemed to build a good chemistry with um, Minka Fitzpatrick. That was something that Ryan Clark was talking about. You know, that's what he thinks it's going to, you know, whether the Steelers bring back Edmonds or not, it's going to depend on how comfortable Minka is playing with Edmonds in the secondary. But KZ, he's the hybrid guy that, you know, we were talking about Brian Flores, what he likes. Terrell Austin likes those guys as well. And when you look at the slot, you know, unless the Steelers are going to double dip at corner in the draft with one of these slot corners, Steelers don't have a bunch of options if something were to happen to Cameron Sutton, who has that versatility, or maybe if they do decide to play Sutton on the outside, Arthur Millette isn't going to cut it long-term. So maybe if you bring in KZ on another one-year, maybe a two-year deal, uh, he does have that ability to come down and play the slot as well. And I would expect if the Steelers bring him back, that's probably the role he ends up playing. I was glad I was glad to hear that you said that there was some talk about Edmonds because honestly the only rumors and reports I've seen and written for the website is that the KZ interest is there. And when you look at it, I mean, he only played in nine games last year. He had two interceptions. I think he had around 20 combined tackles. Uh, he was a force. And, and people forget about that hit on Chris Olave against the Saints. And yes, it was flagged. And But th- that was something that we hadn't seen a whole lot of from the Steelers secondary in terms of bringing the pain uh, in terms of hitting. So it'll be interesting to see how they they handle the safety situation. Now, you also heard that, I, I think we all kind of knew this, but that Devin Bush is gone, right? Like he's he's out of here. Yeah, it seemed, it seems almost a given. Yeah, it's. I feel like the writing was on the wall there when they didn't pick up his option. He made those comments like, "Hey, I'll be playing somewhere in the league." You're like, "Okay, <laughs> this dude's out of here." Now, what was really interesting for me, focusing now on the draft, moving away from free agency a little bit, focusing a little bit more on the draft, you were hearing that there's a likelihood that the Steelers trade one of their top three picks, trade out of that spot. Is is that accurate? Do you think that could actually happen? And we don't know because Omar Khan is his first go around with it, but. Would you be okay with that? I guess I should ask. Yeah, people inside the league seem to think that Omar Khan is going to be much more aggressive on the draft board. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen at pick 17, but 32 seems like a spot that makes so much sense. Typically, what would be the last pick in the first round is now the first pick in the second round. The Steelers will have almost a full day to be able to wheel and deal, make calls, teams that have a player on their board that they didn't expect to fall out of round one. Maybe they move up. I don't think the Steelers trade up at all because they don't have a fifth or a sixth, and I think Omar Khan would probably like to add another late-round pick. But in maybe, say, maybe in, a, in the Steelers' perfect scenario, if Joey Porter Jr. falls to 17, the Steelers take Porter Jr., and Jordan Addison is available on the board too, and he starts to fall. Maybe the Steelers move back up into the first to get that fifth-year option and get Addison because that's another guy the Steelers are really high on. So... It, it wouldn't shock me if the Steelers move out 32 either up or down. Uh, but one person specifically told me uh, that he would be shocked if the Steelers do not make a move with one of their first three picks. But let's let's run the game here. I'm kind of putting you on the spot, and I apologize about that. But let's say the Steelers, we know they're going to get a phone call for pick number 32. And they're like, Omar, like, what are you wanting? In your opinion, if you were Omar Khan, and someone calls you and says they want pick 32, what are you expecting in terms of compensation? If I'm Omar Khan, I want 2024 picks. I'm not high on this draft class at all. I don't think it's a very deep class. Okay. I think that a lot of the guys that went in the fourth and fifth round last year are going to be just as good of players that you're going to be seeing come off the board late second, early third round this year. Defensive line is a decent class. Running back and corner, those are the strong spots of the draft. Every other spot – Wide receivers average is going to dry out. Zay Flowers moved up into round one for sure. He's going to be gone. You'll have five first-round receivers maybe. After that, there's a big drop-off. 
you're going to see a guy that maybe like you're going to see some of these good athletic testers. I think of one guy, Bryce Ford Wheaton, yesterday from West Virginia, a guy who tested really well, six foot three, 220 pounds, ran a four three eight in the 40, did really good non-field drills. He's going to move up draft boards. He had a really bad quarterback situation. Shannon White is a big West Virginia fan, huge fan of his. Um, it seems like he's a guy that, you know, in last year's draft, which was really rich at wide receiver, probably would have fallen to day three. I think after that performance, teams are just going to hope with that upside, that physical upside, even though he didn't have the production. I think he's going to end up going, you know, maybe early third round just because there's not a whole lot of depth in this draft. So you talk about the depth and potentially trading out. I mean, I think they would have to get at least one of like those, like you said, a day three pick. They're so driver and since the Steelers just don't have a lot of the day three picks. I think they have one fourth and then nothing till the seventh, maybe. Um, I'm not sure if that's, they have two seventh round picks. I know that. There's one player on the, on the defensive front that has been linked to the Steelers from the senior bowl and then on through the combine. And that's Kia, uh, Keanu Benton, who is from Wisconsin, correct? Correct. This is not, they're not like, a, this isn't a smoke screen. Like, they're really interested in this guy, aren't they? What do you think about him as a prospect? Yeah, I haven't finished going through all of his tape. There's times where he, in what I've seen, he's shown up a little bit stiff, but he was more productive this past year. And you compare him to a guy like Mozzie Smith from Michigan, who's in that same range, Javon Dexter from Florida, another guy who the Steelers might uh, show interest in just based upon his body type and the, he fits the mold of what the Steelers usually like in their defensive linemen. But you know, you're looking at other guys that don't have that production. Mozzie Smith's maybe the most athletic defensive lineman in this draft, but he has short arms and he only had a half a sack in his college career. A lot of that was due to scheming and Michigan's use of the edge rushers to really rush the passer and pretty much exclusively using their defensive tackles um, to defend the run. But that is a concern. And when you look at Keanu Benton was more productive, had a really good season down the stretch, has played well in big games. Um, and yeah, it seems down at the senior bowl, everything Steelers don't seem to even be hiding the fact that they really like this guy. I, 49 is that perfect range for him right now. I, it's just seems to me, I mocked him there in mock draft 2.0. It seems like if he's there at 49, that just seems like a Steelers pick because of the need, the situation he's from the big 10 fits the mold of what the Steelers like in defensive linemen. It would not shock me at all. If Benton plays. Plus he's a little bit more pro ready than a guy like Mozzie Smith. And with Alu Alu probably not coming back, uh, the Steelers can use an extra man that can play a lot of snaps as rookie season on the defensive line. Is, is he going to fit more on the interior? I'm trying to compare him to like Leal last year, to Marvin Leal. Like what, yeah. Compare the two in terms of what's the differentiation between them as defensive linemen. Leal's more of a five technique who can play more of the three, four defensive end, but can also rotate outside and be like an oversized edge rusher. Yeah. Um, whereas Benton, he's like a zero one tech. He's going to be your Typical nose tackle doesn't have the biggest build. He's around the 315 pound range. If I remember correctly, I'll have to look at his exact numbers, uh, what he weighed in at, but he's roughly in that range, which it's not, you know, he's not the 335 pound, you know, guy. He's not the 350 pound Siaki Ika, you know, that a lot of yeah. fans, including myself were wanting at least before the combine uh, is that traditional nose tackle that can plug the run, be a two gap defender, but he's a guy who can get penetration and he was one of the best run defenders in all the big 10. So with combined with his athleticism and Carl Dunbar's coaching, probably not a bad uh, situation for him. Something like a name to keep an eye on for sure. Now you're hearing that the Steelers and maybe just in general, the NFL teams are not very high on the offensive linemen this year. Is that true? It is true. Around the league teams are not incredibly high, especially on the depth. There's th the th top three tackles, Jones, uh, Skronsky, and Johnson. Those guys may go a little bit higher than what even anybody else thinks. I'm not sure where they're going to go. I think 
if one of them were to follow 17, it would be difficult for the Steelers. It'd be a difficult choice, you know, if it's between him and the guy like Porter or Addison. Uh, but overall, it doesn't, the league does not seem to be a high on offensive line. The Steelers specifically do not seem to see the offensive line as a big area of need. Um, that's just what I've heard. I, I feel as if the Steelers are going to address the offensive line. It's going to be more than likely on the interior. Maybe at pick 32, if Addison isn't there and they're not sure which direction to go, maybe they can't move out of 32. I have a hard time believing they can't. But if they're stuck at 32 and a guy like Osiris Torrance falls, or maybe you got a guy like um, uh, his, his guy is performing um, on Sunday afternoon at the Combine, was do, having a really good uh, workout. The name is slipping me right now, but John Michael Schmitz is another guy. Um, Steve Avila, that's a guy to keep an eye on in that range. Um, but any of those guys could be in play. Schmidt's more of a center, so probably not him. But Avila could be a guy at 32 the Steelers might consider. Schmitz is the uh, Minnesota guy? Yeah, Minnesota okay, guy. Okay, that's what I thought. I remember seeing him. What do you think about Jordan Addison? And, and he, after seeing him test at the Combine, stock up, stock down. What do you think? I think stock even, honestly. I think he's a late first guy. I was I was asking guys what, every, what they thought he was going to run. And they were like, you know, low 4-4. That would seem to be the consensus. I thought he was going to run closer to a four or five. He ended up running a four, four, nine. So, it, like a lot of people were like, "Oh, maybe we're, we need to move him down the board a little bit." You know, to me, that it, nothing changed. That was about the range I expected. For me, the bigger concern is his size. He's only one hundred and seventy three pounds. And he's not the most physical guy. How tall is he? Five ten. I believe he's in that five ten and a half. Yeah, five eleven okay. range. Man. So, you know, he's going to be playing primarily in the slot. But you know, the issue is. is specifically with the way the Steelers utilize their slot receivers. Usually the Steelers prefer someone with some physicality inside the slot. Yeah. And Addison is not the most physical. That's the same issue with Deontay Johnson. So, you know, what do you do if you do draft Addison? Do you try to trade Deontay Johnson now? What role does he have? Do you just, you know, let Deontay Johnson play this year and then let him walk, move Addison to the outside and play with Pickens? It seems to me almost more like a luxury pick, but at the same time, the Steelers have done well drafting wide receivers and they know the connection between Pickett and Addison. If Pickett's saying, you know, hey, this guy's going to be excellent. We can do great things if you get this guy. You know, I will trust the Steelers' judgment on that. But uh, definitely not – Well, I definitely would not want to see that at 17. Yeah, the big question, if they were to get Addison at some point, and I had Roy Countryman on the show last Monday, and he talked about if Addison were there at 32, that the Steelers would run to the podium and take him. And I, I think they would. What does that do with Calvin Austin the third? I mean, yeah, you can have four legitimate receivers, but like you said, do they move someone? And that, that you're not moving George Pickens. I doubt you're moving Calvin Austin, who has no stock value at all based on the fact that he didn't play a snap last year. You just drafted a guy that would lead Deontay Johnson. So it's going to be interesting how the Steelers handle that. I want to have one more question before I let you go. This is not really related to the Steelers, just in terms of the draft. I'm always fascinated by how many quarterbacks get taken in the first round. Last year, everyone talked about how horrible the class was. Only one got taken in the first round. We know Kenny Pickett at 20. There are some people that are saying upwards of four could go in the top 10 even. After seeing these guys, and Anthony Richardson is obviously dominating. Everyone's talking about his jumping ability, the broad jump, all that stuff, just out, just through the roof figuratively and literally <laughs> uh, what do you think about the quarterback class? How many do you see going in the top 10 or in the first round? I think that the, you are going to see four go in the top 10. I think if there's anyone that doesn't go in the top 10, it's going to be Will Levis. He did not interview the greatest. I was, I was right next to the podium and I was able to listen 
in on his interview. I didn't ask any questions, but uh, someone asked him, you know, why is he, why are you throwing here at the combine? You know, there was a lot of talk because he skipped his opportunity to play in the shrine bowl or the senior bowl. And, you know, part of it was because he wasn't healthy and he was banged up this past year. But even if you go back to the 2021 tape, you know, he was good, but he wasn't elite by any stretch. And he just says, you know, cause I got a Keenan and I want to show it off. I, that, that just <laughs> well with a lot of people. And, you know, yeah. when you look at him, he's just not, he had a good workout yesterday, but it wasn't the level of Anthony Richardson. People are going to look at Richardson and say, you know, this guy truly wants to be great. This guy doesn't have as many injury concerns. He's more athletic, even though he's more inconsistent overall, and he was given more, he at least shows the upside and a little bit more of the drive. So it wouldn't shock me. There was someone I was saying behind in the media section um, on Saturday during the workouts, and the person said that they would not be surprised if Indianapolis, if they trade up to one, they may trade up to one, not for Bryce Young, but for Anthony Richardson instead, which would mm. shake up the entire draft. That would. But he has the talent. I mean, I watched him yesterday. It was incredible. I will say one quarterback, if a fifth one were to go in the first round, I don't think it happens, but Aiden O'Connell had a really good workout yesterday. He did really well at the Shrine Bowl. I know Tony Pauline uh, had said not that long ago that a lot of teams are higher on him than the media seems to be. So he's one guy to watch probably early day two. If there's a if there's a quarterback, and I I'm just gonna say the name, not necessarily because of the production that he had last season, but if there's a late round quarterback like a Brock Purdy that the Steelers might be looking for in the draft because they want to fill out their room, assuming Mason Rudolph doesn't come back, is there a quarterback you would put in that category? I'm not high on any of the day three guys as of right now. Clayton Toon is a guy. He's got a big body. Uh, Tanner McKee, a certain traditional pocket passer. He's not going to run away from anyone, but six foot six, 236 pounds. Um, wasn't given a whole lot at Stanford. Wasn't the greatest situation for him, but he's pretty accurate. Uh, same thing with Clayton Toon, extremely accurate. Doesn't He struggled to push the ball down the field a little bit yesterday, um, but if you're looking for a guy in the mold of a Purdy, maybe a guy like Max Duggan, he struggled again yesterday. Um, his stock is definitely not going in the right direction, but if you're looking for a guy who has that chip on his shoulder, the guy who can step in and be a leader immediately has been through adversity is experienced. If you're looking at those boxes and as it pertains to like Purdy, that Purdy type, I think Duggan could be that guy, but overall me personally, I, I, I would rather the Steelers just bring back like a Josh Dobbs. If the Steelers move on yeah. from any of their backups and just bring right. him back. Uh, this there have been years where I've liked some late round quarterbacks and there may still be one that shows up, you know, during one of the pro days and, you know, we get to April and, you know, this guy is actually not bad, but as of right now, as of today, I would say no on any of the late round quarterbacks. All right. Hey, this has been great. And I do want to have you back on the show before the draft to kind of get your thoughts on, you know, once free agency shakes out and we see kind of what the, what boxes have been checked and what haven't with the Pittsburgh Steelers roster, I want to have you back on, but why don't you let everyone know where they can find you on social media, what you have going on the website, as well as what's coming up on the Steelers fix. You can find me at Andrew underscore Wilbar, not an active Twitter user. So don't get <laughs> it, Just follow at BT steel curtain, follow by the steel curtain, Twitter. <laughs> um, that's where you'll get the uh, best content. Uh, but Steelers fix. We're going to be talking all things draft. We're going to be going position by position. You'll get to hear this week. You'll get to hear some of the little uh, clip it interviews that we had with uh, Ryan Clark, Max Starks, Ian Rappaport, Tom Pelissero, Mina Kimes. It's going to be a really good show. Just breaking down some of the combine rumors as well as guys who helped their stock the most this week. Um, Jeremy and I, we do mock drafts, different stuff throughout the process. Uh, but it's always a good time. We always have fun. If you ever have a question, you can always reach out to one of us on Twitter and we love answering it. So uh, yeah, be sure to check it out every Tuesday. 
Yeah, seriously, some of my ride or die crew, the, my loyal listeners of my show, they always send me like their mock drafts. And I have to say all the time, like, I don't know who these people are. Stop sending me these. Send them to Andrew and Jeremy. Like, that is their wheelhouse. Like, I, I have a wheelhouse, but it's not the draft. It's not these prospects. He can tell you seventh round players. I don't know players after the second. So keep that in mind. Send Andrew those questions because I don't know who the hell these guys are. <laughs> so, all right, Andrew, thank you for your time, man. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks. That was fun. All right. And a big thank you to Andrew Wilbar for taking the time. The dude's a busy guy. He's young, but he's busy as all get out for taking the time to spend some time with me on this Monday morning conversation. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did talking with him and learning about some of these rumors and doesn't mean that they're going to happen, but the fact that people are talking about it, and this, again, this isn't just Andrew giving his opinion. These are people that are there that are talking about this at the Combine. Very noteworthy, in my opinion. Doesn't mean it's going to come to fruition, but very noteworthy. So thank you, as always. And make sure you check out the Steelers Fix with Andrew and my buddy Jerome, who's on with me every Friday, Jeremy Betts. You don't want to miss that coming up. This will be a great episode. Not that any of them aren't great, but this will be a good one. You'll want to check that out. All right, folks, listen. Don't forget on Tuesday morning, I'm going to have that tweet. I'm going to send that tweet out. You make sure that you get your questions in for the mailbag. So I put the tweet out. Follow me or find me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. All you have to do is respond to that tweet. I will answer that question live on the air on the Wednesday episode of Let's Ride. In the meantime, folks, I hope you have a great start to your week. You know how we finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. We'll see you on Wednesday. Go Steelers.